Uh, we've been meeting for years. We've been meeting for years in southern Westchester and in uh, northern Westchester, central northern. And uh, today is our very first day. The Beatles came out with Beatles 1 in the year 2000. But in the year 2015, we've come out with Westchester 1. So welcome to Westchester 1, the United Westchester Ministry. So if you are visiting with us today, we certainly want to welcome you out. Uh, as I said, this is the first service of our merged ministry. No longer two separate ministries in Westchester, but one merged ministry. And I'm just excited. I'm thrilled. So uh, really excited to be able to have this kind of group in Westchester County. I believe that Westchester has spiritual needs. And I really believe that God is equipping us to be able to reach out to those around us and help them to meet those needs. I want to show you a picture. I'm wondering if you know what it is. Anybody have any ideas what it is? The Tower of Babel. Of course, nobody knows exactly what it looked like. But this is an artist's rendition of the Tower of Babel. Turn over to Genesis chapter 11. And I want to talk about the lesson of Babel. Probably, we don't, haven't even studied out the Tower of Babel since we were kids, is my guess. It's not the typical thing people have said, hey, I had a really great study on the Tower of Babel today. So let's take a look at it and see what it has to do with us today. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. Of course, we know that everything written in the Old Testament is for us today. That's what the New Testament says, that God wrote all these things down. He wanted all this history to be written down for us so that we can learn how to apply it to our lives today. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. As the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if it's one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the whole earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Now, Babel in Hebrew, it comes from the Hebrew word, which literally means confused or confounded. But what's really interesting in the ancient Akkadian language, Babel is formed from two words, Bab, which means gate, and Elu, which means God. So literally, what they believed they were building was the gate of God, but the Hebrews called it confusion. Because there is no physical gate to God, right? Our God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. God is everywhere. And so as much as these ancient people wanted to do it, they were confused how to reach God. 
You don't reach it through a tower of a building. It's a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so at the very end, it says, from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. What went wrong with their unity? Doesn't God want unity? Unity is a great thing. Absolutely, God wants unity. Let's look at John chapter 17. And we're going to camp out on John 17, so don't lose your place there. John 17, verse 20. Jesus, this is part of Jesus' prayer to God. He is praying that we be one. Let's read this together. John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. Speaking of the apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity? Jesus was praying for unity, that we be completely unified so that the world would take notice. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul is appealing to the church for unity. He puts it this way. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's pretty strong. Jesus is praying for unity that we would be as unified as Jesus and God are unified. Paul is using the word perfectly, that they may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Wow! I'd say God demands unity, wouldn't you? Isn't that the conclusion we get from the Bible? That God's serious about this unity thing. He wants us perfectly united, that there may be no divisions among us. And of course, tragically, the most divided day of the week in New York is Sunday. Isn't that tragic? You've got everybody going off to what they like, and there isn't that conviction of, wait a minute, guys, we need to be united. We need to actually be one. That's part of Jesus' prayer. In the world, there is some unity. There are a lot of examples of unity. But oftentimes, what we see is this unity is built on more selfish ambition than on God's plan. It's all based on lesser things. What unifies people is commonality and other lesser things. And so God's not going to bless that because what God pictures is a level of unity that can only come by the power of God. It can only come through Jesus. It can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. It can only come through God. God is the only glue out there that can help us be as unified as Jesus prayed and as Paul commanded the church. That's the only way it's going to happen. God will not bless compromise. 
He's not going to bless unity for unity's sake or unity with lesser things going on. That's the lesson of Babel. That's it. That pretty much sums it up. The lesson is what unifies us. There are things that can, but is that what God is really wanting from us? The lesson of Babel. What went wrong? Why did God not bless their unity? I mean, they were unified in language, right? We know that because the Bible spells it right out. They were speaking all the same language. They unified in purpose. What were they trying to do? What was their purpose? Let's all get together and build a tower that reaches the sky. They were unified in their mission. They wanted to stay together. We want to make a name for ourselves so we're not scattered all over the whole earth. But was that God's plan for them? No, it wasn't. All their ambition was self-focused. They wanted it for their needs, what they wanted, how they wanted it. They, they, they didn't even mention God, did they? In this account, in, in Genesis, is God mentioned? Is worship of the eternal even mentioned? No, they, they, they wanted, I think, what all of us sort of naturally want. We, we want security, right? We want, we like being together. We want a little power. We want a little control. That's what we want by nature. But is that what God wants for us? Or would God prefer that we really be in a position to really call out to God? To really need God. So, here we see Babel, the lesson of Babel. What is it? Well, everybody had this ambition to stay together, ambition to do their thing, reach up to the heavens, make a name for themselves. So, what did God do? He looked down and he said, wow, if by one language they're doing this, nothing's going to be impossible for them. They're building the wrong tower. So, scatter their language. They won't be able to communicate with one another. And from there, I'm going to send them all over the earth, right? That's the lesson. They were building their unity on the wrong thing, so God just sent them all over. And that's what God wanted them to do. He, he wanted them to spread out and populate the earth. They were building their unity on the wrong thing. Today, we're diverse, aren't we? How many here people like Italian? Italian food. Italian food. Anybody Italian food? Boy, not every hand went up. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? How about goat? How many people like goat? Raise your hand. I'll pray for you. How many people here like escargot? Escargot. Yeah, just a few. Hey, hi, wave, escargot. Come on, come on. Just a man. You're missing out. How many people here like opera? Opera. Opera. How many people here like uh, techno? How many people here like rap? Hey, we're a diverse group. I love it. It's awesome. Love the diversity. And of course, typical in the world is people look to be united with common interests. They're always searching for that. Hey, you know, hey, I'm a Mets fan too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're the Yankees? Oh, are you kidding? You know, our, our taste in music, our food choices, 
You know, on, on airplanes, I, I like talking to people, like sharing my faith. And, oh, you're from the West? Really? What state? Montana. Montana, are you kidding? Wow, where in Montana are you from? Oh, I grew up in a ranch. No way. So did I grew up in a ranch. Near what city? Great Falls. You're, you're out of your... Seriously, Great Falls? Wow, what year did you graduate? 1975. No, so did I. Wow, what high school were you at? Oh, I was at Great Falls High. Oh, man, really? West High was so much better. You're out of your mind. I mean, we, we look for it. It's just our nature. We're looking for something to bond, something to make sense, something in common with people. But if that's where it ends, it's just weak. God's dream is that our commonality go far beyond where we grew up or what foods we like or what music we listen to. God's design is to scatter those things, to take those common commonalities and scatter those and diversify His people and diversify the world so we all like different stuff. We all came from different places. We all speak different languages. And He loves it. And He does that so then we seek unity through Him and not the lesser stiff. Isn't that right? But see, unfortunately, we see the opposite true in the world is that people just bond on the lesser stuff. Even on Sunday mornings, that's what people are doing. They're bonding through, well, we like the same stuff. We live in the same area of the, of the county. Oh, we're in the same social economic group. Oh, we speak the same language. And unfortunately... It's just lesser. It's not the greater unity. We can do better than that. We can take the most diverse group, highly diverse group, and unify in Christ. And isn't that what Jesus wants us to do? And isn't that what's going to shake the world up a bit? It is a little intimidating for people to first walk into our church. I admit that. I admit it, it's a, it's a little, you know, uncomfortable. Everybody's like, hey, hugging. And, you know, and if you're not a huggy person, it's a little. First time I went to church, I'm like, ooh, whoa, whoa, back off. I, I did. And I, I, I thought, man, everybody's fake in that church. And many of you hey, everybody's smiling. You know, everybody's happy. And it's like, not everybody can be that happy. So I just thought it was fake. And then I realized, no, wait a minute. They actually love being here. People actually want to come to church. It's not even a tradition to them. It's something they actually get up looking forward to do. I'm like, wow, that's different. I didn't grow up that way. So what did I do? I said, well, let me give this hug and a try. Hey! (laughs) Actually got used to it. The things that unify the world, sports and business and money and power and politics and common interests and language and what neighborhood you live in. These things will never be able to unify us in the church. It's not going to happen, nor should it. Nor should we even chase those things. God has a far greater plan to unify people from different areas, different cultures, different everything to get it as diverse as possible Social economical diversity, racial diversity, language diversity, cultural diversity, music diversity, food diversity. Although I don't like goat and I'm not going to go there. But it's okay. I still love everybody. But God's like, we're going to come together with love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be one united church together. 
That is what the world needs. That is what we need. As a disciple, I've been a disciple for a long time now, and some of the most exciting, emotional times in my life have been visiting disciples around the world. I'll never forget the time I went to Kiev, Ukraine a few years ago for a conference. And I, and I remember walking in thinking, boy, what's the service going to be in? Well, it's in Russian. I said, wow, I don't even speak any Russian. I spoke, I learned one language on the airplane. It's spasibo, which means thank you. So that's what I kept saying to everybody. Spasibo. 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 And I thought, how am I going to communicate with anybody at the church service? They're all singing in Russian. They all speak. Nobody speaks English. And what I found out was that God had a plan that was beyond language. What was God's plan for me? That I was just going to use the Holy Spirit and just bond with people. And I just remember crying. I still can feel the emotion. I just remember going into the service, not knowing how I was going to bond with people or, or participate in the worship. And I just remember hugging people and God just made it happen. And I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, I'm home. But I don't even know anybody here. <laughs> but God made it happen. I remember the challenge to go to Brazil and plant a church in Sao Paulo, downtown, urban Sao Paulo, one of the largest cities in the world. And I didn't speak any Portuguese. How is this going to happen? And I just remember studying the Bible with people. Where I couldn't even read the language. I just have to turn the Bible and point to the Bible and get them to read it. And I remember God just somehow made it happen without language. And I just bonded with people so deeply. I remember being invited to go to Africa to plan a mission team in Nairobi, Kenya, downtown Nairobi. And I remember saying, look, I have nothing in common with Africa. Do you, can you see my skin? Do you know where I grew up on a ranch in Montana? I mean, this, this is going to be a stretch. And I remember Mike Tolliver looking at me like, where's God in this? And I'm like, you're right. This is just ridiculous for me. Let me go and see what God's going to do. And I fell in love with Africa. I've never cried harder. I get emotional every time I think about it. I've never cried harder in my life than when I said goodbye to Africa. It literally changed my life. That's what God does. God takes the diversity and just makes it mold together into one beautiful people. Today, in our congregation, we have a vast taste range in music, even in worship music. Isn't that right? Let's, can we be honest here? All of us like a different type of worship, a little bit this way, a little bit this way. And that's right, right? But you know what God's going to do? He's just going to take it all and just put it together. We have different tastes and preaching styles. I'm pretty white. I try to get soul. I have the name. I have the name. Why would God do this? 
He gave me the mission. He gave me the name, but not the, not the moves. I just don't have them. I, I try, you know, my little things and, you know, and my kids are like, I just embarrass everyone around me, but, but that's okay. Because God's going to make it work. You know, if all we're doing as a church is looking to bond through commonality of music and worship and tastes and language, we're missing out. It's all the lesser stuff that we naturally bond on, but that's the lesser stuff. We now need a new vision, a new picture of what's going to really bond us together through God and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a blessing to be this diverse, isn't it? Wow. I mean, we have people here that speak English. Is that a surprise? (laughs) We have people here that speak Spanish. Right? We have people here that speak Arabic and Japanese and Russian and German, French, Italian, Bulgarian, Ukraine, Yoruba, Creole, Portuguese, thank you, I forgot. (laughs) Anything else? Korean? Did I forget one? Swahili. Habariyaku. Hungarian. Well, anyway, that's a lot, right? We're from different ages, different backgrounds, and God is just going to bring us all together and make us one. I love it. I love it. I think it's awesome. You know, success in our mission, let me say this just to just sober us just a bit. Success in our mission is dependent upon this level of unity that we're talking about. Let's not settle for Babel, because God will just scatter us. Let's not settle for the lesser stuff to, oh, I like that, I like, let's not settle. Let's go for the big stuff. Let's go for the unity that only God can deliver. Let's go for the level of unity that only the Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can make happen in our group. So let's go back to John 17. Now this might make a little more sense as a church. Understanding there's a couple different ways that we can approach this. There's the worldly way, looking for common interests and commonality. That's the Babel way. And then there's the Holy Spirit way, which Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 17. So let's read this again. John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Oh, I'm sorry. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, just as I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you see how it works? The only way the world will recognize a unified church, the only way the world will recognize the power of God truly at work in the hearts of the members is when our unity isn't like the world's unity. It goes far beyond that. Our unity, the standard of that unity, is Jesus and God's unity together. And Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. There is no separation between Jesus and God. That's the level of unity that we must have to win the world. Do you feel a bit challenged? I do. So we can all be unified in that. Let's not settle. We can do this thing. Jesus, of course, at one point, wasn't unified with the Father. That was in Gethsemane. When he prayed, Lord, is there any way that this cup can pass from me? But then he realized that he was out of sync with God. He was out of unity with God. And so what did he do? He capitulated. He submitted. He trusted. He said, yet not my will, but yours be done. And yes, it's true that we may try to seek a lesser unity or try to compromise. But we need to follow our example in Jesus. It's our turn to choose. Despite our differences in taste, culture, goat, peanut butter, whatever. It's our time to choose a level of unity that can only come from God. So what is the lesson of Babel? What's going to bring us unity? Common interests? Nope. A love of Jesus. Lesson of Babel. That God is creative. That God has diversified our lives on purpose. He has scattered us with all different languages and cultures for a reason. That we would reach out and seek unity in God because in only in Christ can we truly find that unity. The lesson of Babel is it's an upward call. The lesson of Babel is an upward call for us. This is going to take some time and patience. It's going to take some vision and faith. And it's going to take depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is what we need to show the world that God is real. That religion alone is not why Jesus died on a cross. He died on a cross to bring you and I and you and she and he all together under Jesus. This is the only way. It's the only path to glorify God. This is the way that we can have a church that turns Westchester upside down. This is the way to have that one in a thousand, to be able to have a church of a thousand, to meet the needs of a million that live in this area. Let's pray. God and Father, we are so grateful for you. Father, you have blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Father, you have given us amazing gifts. You have given all of us amazing talents to be able to serve and to be able to meet needs. Father, thank You for forgiving our sins. Thank You for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the diversity in the church. 
Thank you that we are from every possible background, every age and race and language and socioeconomic background. Thank you that we can take these talents and serve the community, serve those that are less fortunate than we are in Westchester County, serve those that are searching for answers and and don't know your word. Serve those who are discouraged about their faith because they just don't see the power being lived out in the lives of those around them. Father, lead us to those people that are truly seeking answers. Help us to be your hands and your feet and your mouth and your eyes. Father, we're so grateful to be able to be here as one united congregation serving this county in a powerful way. Help us, use us, mold us, and make us into your Son's image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We love you. We love Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyc.com. COC.net.